0: My name's Ian Braceby. When I'm not guiding people through the haunted tales of Birmingham, England, I'm listening to Seth Dustin Bruce.
1: Everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Listening Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is I talk about this all the time. One of my favorite things is when someone out of the blue emails me and says, Hey, I like the podcast, Jesse, I'm really enjoying it. In this case, uh, Stephen didn't even ask to join me. He just gave me some nice compliments. So thank you, Stephen.
2: You're very welcome, Jesse. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, and so I kind of like, well, hey, why don't you join me? You gave one of the best stories ever. I don't know if you'll remember, but you mentioned that you were a college professor and you have caught students falling asleep on your lectures. I have, yes. (laughs) <laughs> um I th- I'm sure that's more to do with what they did the night before than your lecture.
2: No, it's my lecture. I'm pretty convinced.
1: <laughs> well, um uh, so
2: apologies so- to your listeners in advance.
1: Oh, I don't I, well, I'm sure we'll make it through. Uh tell us a little about yourself, Stephen.
2: So, I mean, as you mentioned, I'm a I'm a college professor. I teach classical literature, which is the literature written by the Greeks and the Romans. I am living now in Michigan, along Lake Michigan on the western shore, and, but I'm not from Michigan. I grew up in Boston, and I found my way uh, to the Midwest. I am a father of one child who's three years old and married and doing my best to make sense out of this life that
1: we're living here. Um, a three-year-old will keep you guessing. Yep. Linda and I, if we didn't fight about the kid or money, we would not fight much. Uh, So, and it's (laughs) more the stress of having it. So, yeah. Well, very nice. How long have you been living in Michigan?
2: About 10 years now. Okay. Does it feel like home
1: or do you miss Boston?
2: I don't even think of myself as from Boston anymore. I, before I moved to Michigan about 10 years ago, I did about seven years. I know it sounds like I'm doing prison time, but that's not how I feel about it. I lived uh-huh. for for seven years in Ohio. So I've for most of my adult life, I've been living in the Midwest, mm-hmm. and Boston feels very distant to me.
1: Do you still have so family let's there? Let's say I call it home. Do you still have family do, there? I do, but
2: I do have family there. But interestingly enough, when my son was born, my parents moved from Boston to Michigan to live right down the road from me.
1: Because they are smart grandparents.
2: <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and they have kept me afloat. Believe me. Wouldn't one, be-
1: <laughs> yeah. One of the scariest things and one of the things we're most proud about, um, Lynn and I got married in 84. Uh, we moved to Dallas in 86. Uh, We had Chris Jackson in 89 and Uh um, Linda's parents lived in Louisiana. My parents lived in Louisiana and it was her and I, Um, part of the time her sister and her husband lived here, Clay and Mary, but most of the time it was just Linda and I. And um, we definitely talked about the village. We, we ended up, as you do when you move away, right? You make friends from work. Some of them are lifelong friends. And they kind of, we just had this group of friends that we called the village, you know, based on the, <laughs> it takes a village to raise a child. And um, yeah. and so like when he graduated high school, you know, we're, like we got to invite the village. And when he graduated from college, you know, got to invite the village. And so it's, um, yeah. it, it was difficult, but we're something we're proud about. Um, many of time, I would have liked uh, Linda's mom or my mom to be a little bit closer. We did burn up phone lines, though, calling, hey, mom, what do you do? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, right. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's back in the time when you don't have,
2: you know, free long distance, probably.
1: Exactly. Uh, I warned you we'd go off on tangents. One of the things, and now do yeah. you like Steven or Steve?
2: Either way, Jesse, whatever okay,
1: okay. Yeah, Whatever makes you feel good. Uh, so uh, I will probably go back and forth. So, Stephen, when when Chris went to college, if he didn't call home, like every three days, Linda was convinced something was wrong. And I had to right. remind her, I said, when we moved from Louisiana and we made fun of your parents that we had not called in two weeks, they're like, we just checking to see if you're dead. And she was right. <laughs> right. Well that was before cell phones. Right. Now then I'm the parent, so I understand and I regret ever making fun of them. So they ended up, um, Chris and his mom, every Friday he called in. He called her at nice. work and just it may be five minutes, it may be thirty minutes. But that was enough for her. She knew every Friday he'd check in and then she didn't have to worry. So Yeah, she just wants to make ways. sure he's okay. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So growing up yeah. in Boston, what kind of music did your family listen to? What Give me your musical origin story.
2: So I'll tell you that um, when I grew up in Boston, I lived in a four-story building that housed both me and my parents as well as my grandparents, my paternal grandparents. So we all lived in one building together, and I would able. I was able to travel freely between my grandparents house and my house so my musical influences came from my grandparents and my parents my my grandparents were italian americans so what i heard from them was the crooners you know frank sinatra dean martin and my parents music my dad played what he listened to growing up which was mostly Classic rock. I remember him cleaning the house on a Saturday morning, layering Led Zeppelin or Peter Frampton or The Doors. My mom, she was top 40 all the way. So I had a a mix of different eras and genres that made up what I listened to when I was a kid.
1: That's got to be a lot of fun, though.
2: It was great. Yeah.
1: I grew up. Um, my dad was in the Army, and so he would often be stationed overseas. And my mom was a, a mama's girl. And so anytime she could go home to Louisiana, she did. Um, so I was very much um, sitting there and kind of um, – help my grandparents helped raise me. And, and so mm-hmm. I I um and my grandfather very much into gospel, uh Baptist music. And um my mom was really into uh fifties rock and roll and then everyone of course loves country and they right and, and so um so that was kind of a nice dose Um, when you started kind of finding your own roots, did you embrace their music? Did you rebel against it? And when when did you kind of find your own listening voice?
2: So I'll tell you, I embraced it all right from the start. I thought it was all great.
1: That's awesome.
2: And my parents loved to tell me, tell this story, that when I was three years old, the son the age my son is now i had a record player a sister price record player
1: awesome and
2: once a week my mom would take me to the library to get our new books for the week return the old ones and pick up some new ones mm-hmm. and next door to the library was a record store and once a week we'd pick up a new single a new album and so right from the start i was picking up all sorts of things that my parents liked, that my grandparents liked, and what was popular at the time.
1: Can you, so, uh, Steve, can you remember the first um, single or album you bought with your own money?
2: With my own money. Yes. That's a good question. I have no idea. Okay. I wish I could remember that. That would make a great story if I knew.
1: Um the I I bought a Elton John Greatest Hits eight track with my nice. first money, yes. Uh, right. And, and so and um, the Rocket Man movie Rocketman movie that just was out, um right. really brought back a lot of memories. Of growing uh-huh. up in the '70s and Elton John, um, you know, just owning the airwaves with the uh, pop standards. So, uh-huh. uh, did you just kind of what looked nice to you? Did you just yeah? Kind of, okay,
2: yeah, it would be what looked nice to me, or hey, Grandma plays that Frank Sinatra song. Can we get that? Okay. Or you know that, or I heard this thing on the radio. What's that? Can we get that? Okay. And so, sometimes my mom would say, sure. Sometimes she'd say, no. Well, but, you know, you know. of course, I grew up, uh, when I was coming into my own music, beginning to discover my own music, it was the mid-90s. And so grunge was popular then. Mm-hmm. And so I started listening to that because that's what my friends were listening to. And I sure. wanted to be cool. And so I did. And I don't know what I bought with my own money, but, yeah, so... My own, my own music was, was very much in the 90s, and as you know, the 90s was not Bruce's coolest time. No. For a teenage boy.
1: No, I mean, he was, um, you know, he's busy, you know, being a dad. <laughs> being a dad, uh, right, yeah. I totally get it now. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I love the story um, he tells that, you know, rock star hours. You stay up real late, you get up very late. And Patty going, you're right. missing it. You're missing it. Right. The morning is what happens. Right. And so right. um, he learned to make pancakes and um, <laughs> I remember once on 60 Minutes they were interviewing Jimmy Buffett and he talked about that um, I read an interview with Bruce Springsteen saying that he made pancakes and He said, so do I. He says, so maybe one day Bruce and I can make pancakes together, you know, as dad, you know, we're the fish and pancake guy. Um, Right. Yeah. So when do you – you're loving grunge. You still have this, um, you know, attraction and loving, you know, top 40 and and the crooners, um, you know, classic rock. But when did you discover Bruce? And talk about that a little bit.
2: So I I can tell you that I remember when I was three years old, it was 1984.
1: Okay. And in
2: 1984, that's born in the USA, Mania. Right. And I had that album and loved it at age three. So the great thing about being three, the important thing when you're three years old about music is that repetition helps. Yes. So my, my son loves Baby Shark. You know you know the song. It just says Baby Shark over and over and over again.
1: I, I do not, but that's okay. Um, that's, that's,
2: my, your your listeners probably will.
1: Yeah, like, I was. Uh, my era was um, Barney uh, for uh-huh. Chris is a little and uh, Raffy. Uh, okay. And we wore out that Raffy um, eight track. <laughs> I mean CD. I guess it was a VHS tape, and uh, those Barney VHS tapes, and uh, you know, my wife can still do whoa, whoa, you know, <laughs> a Barney invitation. Right, yeah. So okay, so um, talk to me about but this. The,
2: yes. Yeah. The, so the beauty of, of Born in the USA is there's a couple of songs on there that are for a three year old. They got a they got a good beat. Yeah. There and they're also they're also very repetitive. You know, Born sure. in the USA just. That's the chorus. It's just Born in the USA. And I'm Going Down. That's another one that I love, right? Sure. Because it's just I'm going down, down, down. The repetition of it mattered, but I loved and, that record yeah. when I was a kid. Loved it. And I played it for my grandmother, and she loved it. Mm-hmm. So much so that even when she, even 20 years later, whenever Born in the USA would come on the radio, she would turn it way, way up. You know, that was oh, a song awesome. that we, listened. yeah, no, totally. Trouble is that what followed Born in the USA was Tunnel of Love when I'm six, and no six-year-old can even begin to understand the complexity of what's going on in Tunnel of Love. So I, I, I had that album, listened to it, and went, "What what is this?
1: You know, um, I had someone talk about this um and and I can't remember which um, um, listener, but he said, um, "You have to have your heart broken a few times before you really love. You can understand and appreciate uh, tunnel of love." And so right. at six, I, I I can I don't think your heart had been broken too much yet.
2: Not yet. Yes. So I, I put Bruce down for a while.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then in 2007, Radio Nowhere comes on the radio. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to it, and I think, what what is this? This is great. What is this? I need to know what this is right away. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's this great beat, and I don't even really recognize that it's Bruce Springsteen, to be honest with you. But then the Sax solo comes on, and then the radio announcer says, "This is Bruce Springsteen." I went, "Oh yeah, Bruce Springsteen." I remember Bruce Springsteen, born in the USA. I went out and bought Magic, which to me brought me right back in. What an album that was for me!
1: Oh, absolutely, back in. Yeah, and I love the. You know, I've heard a lot. There is a lot of stories about people that magic is kind of like Rob uh, Carmack from you right. know talks right. about that. You know, seeing Bruce on the Today Show, you know, kind of hey, you know, um, and and not that it's hard for you not to know Bruce growing up, but it's your first kind of look at him. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. Now, have you gone back afterwards and um, visited the back catalog?
2: Oh, yeah, I have. But I haven't even... So I'm a bad Springsteen fan because I haven't gone back and explored all of tracks yet. Mm -hmm. I'm in no rush. Right. But I went back and I got... Born to Run, I mean, I knew Born to Run and I knew Thunder Road, because those songs were on the radio. What I didn't know was just what a great album that was. And I spent a lot of time with Born to Run. And then you know, I I went back and explored Darkness on the Edge of Town and Nebraska and the River, and I realized that there was a whole treasure trove of material here, and he is an incredible songwriter. And so yeah, that started, and really in, in 2007, I Began my journey backward, but
1: also trying to stay current with what he's
2: doing now.
1: Yeah. So I had a guy in a very early podcast. Um, I don't remember how we got to it, but I said that I would be perfectly okay with a concert set list that started with cuts from Tunnel of Love going forward. And nothing beforehand. And he said, Oh, me too. Yeah. And he said, I would be happy with a set list that um, goes to darkness and backwards and nothing past darkness. Um,
2: I wouldn't mind that concert either.
1: Yeah, that's what we talked about. But yes, <laughs> because um, The Rising was the album that really got me going from the casual fan to the kind of passionate fan. Um, I, you know, I, I have this, there's something special because, um, I, I heard magic as it came out. I heard working on a dream as it came out. I listened to wrecking ball, you know, um, I was not a big bootleg guy. So high hopes were all new songs to me, except for the ones they redid you know, Western stars, all of this were, um, you know, just, I I wanted to hear them. Um, yeah. So based on, do you, is, is magic still in your top, uh, list?
2: I think it would be. Yeah. Just because it was my entry point. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's, what's so great about Bruce, right? Is he's got all these really great albums. Magic, I think is an underrated album in Bruce's catalog. I know other people have said that that's not new, but I have, a, I probably have a strange top five. I don't even know if I've ever thought to give a top five of Bruce albums, but it's, it, it's probably not the ones that people would normally put in the top five, mm-hmm. you know, magic. I love kind of love now. That's yes. a great, album it it might even be my top one i'm not sure how it all shakes out but yeah no magic is still it's still up there for me Mm -hmm. and i think wrecking ball is great also but you know maybe it's because i've had the opportunity to to watch this come out in my lifetime (laughs) that these records might mean a little bit more to me than they might someone else who you know was there when darkness first came out
1: I'm, I'm right there with you, Stephen, that I um, – Wrecking Ball, first off, I loved when it came out. And then that was the album that my wife listened to a lot because we were going to go to Cleveland and see him perform. So that's still one of her favorite albums. Right. <coughs> well, cool. Yeah, and – Go ahead.
2: And I, I would say that, you know, for me, I, what I really enjoyed – I like. The way mature Bruce writes and thinks, uh, you know, he, he takes these themes that one finds in *Born to Run* and *Darkness on the Edge of Town*, and the themes they age along with him. You know, he, he's not like an artist who might go up all the time and just play the same songs over and over and over again, or try to do the same thing try to hit that same, you know, magical note that made him big and famous. You know, after he, after he does Born to Run, uh, after he does Born in the USA, he basically breaks up the band. I mean, not exactly right away, but he strips it down immediately afterwards. Done that, not going to try to copy that. He's someone that evolves with time. And watching that happen in his music is, is really, really uh, interesting to me. And that's what we're seeing, I think, in some of this back, back half of the catalog, you know, as he approaches 50 and, and 60 and now 70.
1: Well, I've got to ask, what's your thoughts on Western Stars?
2: Oh, I love Western Stars. I think it's a masterpiece of an album. Mm-hmm. And I can, I can tell you why. You know, um, so one of the things I teach, one of the classes I teach is I teach a course on, on freedom Actually, sort of the history of the idea of freedom,
1: interesting. And what I,
2: yeah, I, I try to get my students to, to move away from thinking of freedom as doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Right. That m- most philosophers in the history of Western thought tend to see tend tend to define freedom that that's, that's viewed that way as license, doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Mm-hmm. and i see in in some of these early bruce albums like born to run freedom is all about getting out if i can just get out then i'm going to be happy yes but even in those songs like you know born to run or thunder road there's a recognition in bruce for all of his youthful exuberance that it might not work out. The highway is jammed with broken
1: heroes. Yeah, and um, the I I just recently um, had a guy. His episodes are going to be out in a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks. But he said that he thought Western stars reminded him of Nebraska. And I went right wow, that's but he said because they're both stories. And right. um and I get that, you know, the more I think about it because Western Stars feels to me, and I've said this several times, a collection of short stories. Um with yeah. the theme of 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 a little bit older uh, yeah. you know, characters set in the West. And it's it's really um cool. That and, and I just always love the fact that one of my um, musical heroes is pushing himself. That he yeah. is trying to do things better. So I, I like that a lot.
2: So I'll tell you that perhaps this is the classical literature professor in me that is seeing far more than Bruce intended. Okay. But I'm going to say it anyway. That when I see Western stars, that phrase, I think of a poem by Alfred Lord Tennyson called Ulysses. Okay. And in Ulysses, toward the end, uh, the Ulysses is about this, this Greek hero, Ulysses. His Greek name is Odysseus, but the Romans call him Ulysses. He is a man who whose heroism is based on his ability to travel, right? When he's sitting at home with his wife and kid, he gets antsy. He gets, uh, he needs to be on the move. He needs to move and travel. And almost all these mythological stories, you know, the the move, the the motion is is often west. You, You have to head west you know, the great American mythology is you go west and you seek opportunity.
1: Yeah.
2: Right? The yeah, the
1: famous go Western, west young man. Uh, exactly. So it was Ohio, right? I mean, <laughs> or something. Right. Yeah, but yes.
2: So there's a couple of, and I know Bruce has read Hennison's Ulysses.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because the way that uh, Ulysses describes himself in one of the lines is for always roaming with a hungry heart much have I seen and known. Ah, So Hungry Heart, right? Which is, of course, a Bruce Springsteen song. And then toward the end, he writes, or Tennyson writes, or has Ulysses say, for my purpose holds to sail beyond the sunset in the baths of all the Western stars until I die. Wow. This is a poem about a man who's constantly on the move. And if you think about the way that Western Stars begins, hitchhiking and the wayfarer, we have kind of Bruce, or the narrator of this album, trying to come to terms with the idea that there's no more West to go, or there's very little West left to go. We are in the West. I'm here. There's no more road left to run down. How do I find my freedom now?
1: So now I so want to get um, Jay Armstrong and you on this episode <laughs> and uh, do a um, just, I want to do a discussion, you know, because as I t- I'm going to talk about this earlier, and since you're a regular listener, right? Um, when right. Jay covers Thunder Road, he talks about Robert Frost and the road less traveled. And he compares right. um, because the idea is if you – every time you make a choice, you're also choosing a negative. When you say yes right. to this, you're saying no to something else. And right. and, and he talked about that um, – that a lot of people will misunderstand Robert Frost's poem that he believes that there's another different deeper about not necessarily the road less traveled is not necessarily the best traveled. It's just, it's, it's a decision you make. And so right. I love the idea that this is because you do get the idea listening or reading Bruce's um, autobiography and hearing him, he, he, he wasn't a good student, but as a young man, as an adult, he had a thirst for knowledge, right? Right, right. And pretty heavy um, reading. And so yeah. uh, I, I think that's kind of cool. And I absolutely could see how that would influence his writing.
2: Oh, and, and it's all over Western Star's uh Jesse, I can. I can find the poems that he was reading, the themes that he was thinking about as I listen. You know, it's it's apparent that this is he's a well-read person, and that the best thing he ever did was get out of school.
1: So, Stephen, I know you have no time for this, but I'm right. throwing it out there. If you want to do, um, like one of my favorite things is. I bought, and I'm going to say this wrong, the annotated, like, Sandman. Uh, I've read, you know, I I had that next to me, like, the third or fourth time I read all the Sandman, Neil Gaiman's, you know, comic series, and, you know, and using that as references. You want to provide me the reference sheet on Western (laughs) Stars. It's going up on the website, and uh, that way people can, you know, you know how, Another way to be more pop culture is um, you'll see all the Easter eggs you missed on this year. You could go here right. are all the poem Easter eggs that you've probably missed listening to Western Stars. Just throwing it out there, you end up having some extra time or a burning desire to be so nerdy. Um, there's a place <laughs> for you here, Stephen. I would love that.
2: Well, I I appreciate that, and that's that's part of the reason that I love I love Bruce so much. Is that he's part of this literary tradition that I hold so dear, that I have, that I study for my life, you know. And as I listen yeah. to him and his writing, I see I see that he's connecting with it too, and doing something new with it, doing something interesting with it.
1: Yeah, so. and um, he's you know he wants to reach his audience, and he wants he has stories to tell, and that's yes. I think why he's telling them and sharing them. Um. So I don't know if you were lucky enough to see Broadway live, were you?
2: I was not, okay. no.
1: But you saw it on Netflix, correct?
2: Oh, absolutely, several times, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, one of the things that struck me is it was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, right. He was ended up being very funny and a really good storyteller um, because at times – when you watch Bruce in an interview, he seems self-conscious. Um, he yeah. will he he will laugh a lot of his own jokes. You can tell he doesn't want to talk about himself. Um, he's not someone. Um, while there's other people, um, you know, like Brad Meltzer is a wonderful writer and a great interview. Uh, Jay Michael Stravinsky. Right. I just picked up his autobiography was listening to an interview with him. He is a great interviewer. Um, so there are people um, like Penn Jillette Podcast, and he is a great storyteller, um, even though he's an unreliable narrator, as he will tell you anytime time. Um, Bruce shares his stories in the music and in the lyrics. Right. But when he was on Broadway, I think because he – Looked as this as a a spoken song, almost. he was very comfortable sharing that, and it came across very well.
2: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right.
1: Yeah, so and, go ahead, Stephen.
2: No, I was just gonna say the way that he you know the way that he's able to take material from his own life and spin it into its own narrative. It's, it's actually kind of incredible. One of the great things that Bruce is able to do is to take this really big issue, like fathers and sons. That's a huge theme. How do fathers relate to their sons? What does freedom mean? What does justice mean? And he's able to kind of narrow or home in on one character facing one situation that, where, where, the, where the character is facing this, this dilemma. And it's a massive existential dilemma. And the great thing about yes, go ahead. sorry.
1: Well, I was just going to say, I think a great example of that is American skin. Um, right. 41 shots. I mean, um, there are people that will say, well, you know he doesn't, he doesn't take the policeman's side, but he does. You know' he, yeah, he, don't. He, he
2: absolutely does. He right. says,
1: you know, is that a wallet? Is that a knife? This is your life? I mean, you know, right. he uh, he's understanding that in this situation there are split second decisions that if you guess wrong can lead to horrible consequences. Um, right. So, Stephen, do you ever sneak in some Springsteen in the when you're talking about classic uh, literature at the school?
2: All the, all the time. Yeah, Good all, the for time. You. all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. Uh, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of choices, actually. But the main thing for me is the way that I I love that Bruce's the way that he tells stories, as you mentioned, with regard to American skin. But this is true of every love song and the whole in his whole catalog. There's nothing syrupy. You know, it's all he's all he's bringing out ambivalence. You know, even when things are going really, really well, there is still some there's still some sadness there, even amid all that happiness.
1: Yeah. You know, um, there. Uh, one of the things my friend and I, Sam, and, you know, if you're doing the Set Lessing Bruce drinking song, take a drink because I mentioned Sam or that's a bingo square. <laughs> um, you know, he says often Bruce's characters um, have a past. You know, there's often where yeah. he will talk about Um, and I realize Jersey girl isn't written by him, but, uh, we'll drop that brat. We're going to, you know, we're going to take your, you and your kids out. Um, and he, the people he sings about, um, are, they have a past, they have a struggle that is very, um, Americana, I guess to say, and, and, and universal, because that's one of the reasons why people from across the world um, listen to those music and it speaks to them.
2: Yes. You know, and that's, that's something I try to talk to my students when I'm teaching classical literature, right? That our heroes tend to be, you know, heroes of 20, 2019 United States tends to be, they tend to be these superhero movies where you have heroes that are all good and they are going up against a bad guy that is all evil, right? And we we tend to simplify these things. Bruce's music, the stories that he tells, and classical literature doesn't work that way. All of us, each and every one of us, has within us the capacity for tremendous good, but we are all bringing with us this darkness that lives and resides within us.
1: Yeah, and I think, like... um... The TV series Justified, which my wife and I love,
0: yeah,
1: Um, you know, Boyd Crider is not all necessarily the bad guy. And uh, Raylan Givens is not necessarily the good guy, even though one of them is the marshal, one of them is the criminal. And in a very not anti-hero way, but just in a very – they're real and they're making the decisions – they have to make, and I think that's what Elmore Leonard wanted to do. He wanted to write those kind of complex characters. And, right. um, you know, when you go back to Independence Day, um, I, I, I like the song fine, but when I heard him do it on the River Tour, um, this later River Tour, and the idea of him being the age, if not older, than the father is in that story. You know, he wrote it when he was a young man looking at his father, and now then he's singing from the almost the father's perspective to the son, and he's thinking of his sons. Um, really brings a yeah. lot of depth to that song to me.
2: And Yeah, and I, I love that understanding of that song, Jesse, because when I hear it, what I hear is uh, Bruce... Beginning or the character, the narrator of that song, having to take responsibility for things that are not necessarily his fault. If, if he wants the relationship with his father to go a certain way, it's going to be on him. The first line is, Papa, go to bed now. It's getting late. That's not something a son usually would say to his father. It's the other way around. Exactly. Right. So he's someone that if if I'm going to get whatever I'm going to get out of this relationship, if there's anything, it has to come from me. I have to be the driving force here and And you know that Bruce is writing that writing that song. he's about turning thirty or so. it makes sense that's that's where you are.
1: Yeah. you talked about, and I love the idea you mentioned that most of there's very rare Bruce gushy. He's not going to do Paul McCartney's Silly Love Song. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm not.
2: There's nothing. No, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah.
1: Um, And Billy Joel writes some beautiful, you know, um, love songs. Um, Bruce's tend to be tougher than the rest. Yeah. Um, You know, I think one of the most, um, if I fall behind, is one of the most romantic – but it's tough. I mean, and I, I often will, if someone I know is getting married, I will print the lyrics and put it in the card I'm sending and say, right. I think this is as good a, a poem or song about marriage because you you are going to – your steps won't be the same. Um, right. Right. Lynn and I talk all the time that uh, we hit uh thirty five years of marriage this summer. and um congratulations, thank That's you great, yeah, and you know you can there is there is very few days where it was fifty fifty. um sometimes right. it's ninety ten, sometimes it's ten ninety. and your hope is that um no one carries the heavy part all by themselves. Majority of the time, that there are times right. when, you know, your partner is doing the heavy lifting because you need them to, and other times right. you do the heavy lifting because they need you to, and right. um, and I love how he talks about that, and yeah, um, and that simple phrase, "If I fall behind, you know, I'll wait for you, darling, wait for me." Like I'm, I'm, I'm promising you that I'm going to wait for you. If you get behind, will you do the same for me? It's just lovely.
2: Right. And it's, and I hate to say it, but I don't think he could write that song without his divorce.
1: No, I don't think so either. And
2: it's, it's, yeah, he, he's always moving from this place of, of loss, you know, that, he, that's there's a depth to what he's doing because of of his own experiences and that's how they get into the songs I think but anyway I cut I cut you off
1: sorry no 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 I'm that's perfect because I I agree that there is when you hear him talk about his first marriage and when he writes about it in the book you know he's very clear that this was on him that yeah. um it you know he's looking at this beautiful wonderful amazing woman and going she's going to figure it out i'm not worth her i i'm, just, <laughs> right. I'm not i'm not uh, you know once she figures out who i really am she's gone and right. lucky enough and blessed enough is um he and patty found each other and you know to quote you know rocky gaps right you know she's got <laughs> gaps i got gaps and they tend to fill out Um, right you know they seem to have worked out for each other um, and that's kind of cool
2: yeah absolutely I mean what you're describing there is essentially brilliant disguise right when you're in a relationship that's failing you spend a lot of time thinking boy this other person boy they're they're doing something something's wrong with them but what he does in that last chorus is flipping flipping it back onto himself there's there's a that's there's a depth in that that's worth paying attention to
0: yeah
1: and and like even when you go to um i'll work for your love which uh, is one of my favorite songs off magic where you know it's not i'm gonna love you it's i'll work for your love what others may want for free i know i need to earn that's Um, right and, and keep
2: and keep working at it. it. You don't win it, and then you have it. That's not how it works.
1: Yes, and um, and and that's one of the things that I've tried to, um, when um, friends of Chris or when Chris was looking at being serious in relationship, that's what we will talk about. You know, we'll say that it is it is hard work, and um. And if you ever start worrying about, well, um, I, I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be taken advantage of, you, you've you got to put that apart. That's sometimes, right. sometimes you end up being the compromiser, and it's sometimes not fair. But you just right. have to hope that if it's a healthy relationship, there'll be other times where – your partner is going to compromise to take care of what you need. So absolutely. That's right. That's right. Yeah, Yeah, right. Um, So we got totally off our agenda, which is awesome. Uh, I'm sorry. No, no, this is perfect. (laughs) Um, I did want to get a couple of the things that I normally do. Um, My always disclaimer, the number of times you've seen Bruce is not a fair barometer of what kind of fan you are but for the record how many times have you seen him perform?
2: I've seen him only 4 times.
1: Okay, nothing wrong with that.
2: Which no no and it's just life stage things. I didn't get to the River tour because I had a screaming 1-year-old and
1: absolutely I didn't
2: get to and I didn't get to uh Broadway because you know I just couldn't justify the
1: yes the,
2: the cost at the time with a baby on the way and having oh, a new God. baby.
1: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Um, are there songs, though, that when they tour next year, and hopefully he does, and hopefully we're going to get a couple of shows, are there songs that you would love to hear him perform live?
2: Oh, wow, that's a great question. One that I – you know, I don't have anything in particular. Okay. Uh, I, I, I know that's a terrible answer. No, no, that's um, – but it's, I'll, I'll be honest with you, you know, the, I love to see him live. I really, I, it's its great, but I'm not one of those guys that is going to go into the pit. I don't care about that. Right. And if I miss him, I'm, I'm okay with that also. You know, I, I, my interest in Bruce is, is more, uh, don't get me wrong. I love the live show. Yeah. But it's more about the, the experience of, of just having him with me whenever I want. And I can call it up whenever I want. Mm-hmm. You know, pulling up my phone or whatever. So I know that people have really great answers. I want to hear him play Born in the USA, full band version. Yeah. I want him to play. I've never seen him play Thunder Road. I need to hear that. Yeah. I, I just don't have anything like that. I, I It's exciting. When I see him and he pulls out a rarity or a sure. song, sometimes he'll play a song that a lot of people know that I don't know.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Because, again, I think I told you, I haven't even done a deep dive into absolutely everything
1: yet. I, yeah, no, I so. get it. Um, okay, um, Mary question. Um, just in Mary case, question. if you uh, have never listened to the podcast before... And as I say, every podcast is someone's first podcast. Uh, Jay Armstrong, who I am now going to get in a three-way conference with Stephen and Jay. He is an honors English teacher. Uh, He teaches high school English. And um, they have a whole chapter they devote to Thunder Road where they break it down as a poem. They talk about all the uh, imagery and the symbolism of the thing. Song, and then at the very end of the chapter, the question he asked the students is Does Mary get in the car? So, Steve, that is your question.
2: That's a great question. I love that question, Jay. Great question.
1: Um, I love people who say
2: yes to this question, and I know you're one of them, Jesse. You think she gets in the car, and I hope that they or and you are right. But as I hear it, I, I think Mary is just so dang skeptical of this narrator. of uh, We can call him Bruce if you want. I mean, the, the lyrics build in hesitation. Yes. Don't run back inside. Right. You know, uh, he gives the sense, uh, don't turn me home again. There's a sense that he's been there before and she's already said no. And then Bruce goes on or the narrator goes on to sort of Give some of her reasons as to why she might be sending him away, although, you know, we don't get exactly what she said, but we get some hints at it. Yeah. You know, when he says, so you're scared and you're thinking that we're, we aren't that young anymore, show a right. little faith. Get the sense that from Bruce's perspective that Mary is, is hardened. She doesn't want to be a part of his fantasy. She might be afraid. She might be saying, "Come on, dude, I'm too old for this. You're too old for this. Where are we gonna go? Where are yeah. we gonna run to? Why are we gonna leave? You know, grow up." I can hear her saying, "Grow up." Yes. You know, and and what's so and Bruce tries or the narrator tries to to, to acknowledge his shortcomings. You know, I'm no hero. Or I'm not a savior. Right. But all we can do is just go. We got one last, we got one last chance here. We, you know, other people have come, and they've either left you or you sent them away. Come on, one more try. Yeah, you know, and to me that this is a this is probably my favorite Bruce Springsteen song. It it has to be, um, and it's because it's it's not about whether she says yes or no to me it's about that that moment of you know of being that we all feel like when we're scared to pursue our dreams yes but it's that that moment before we realize that we're too scared to do it right you know that hopeful moment when you say i'm gonna do it but when it comes to it maybe you back off or maybe you don't. I don't know. It's it's that it's that moment before you hear the answer when all the dreams are high. But I I just I'm not so sure that she has the courage to get in the car or doesn't want to be a part of his fantasy.
1: Yeah, and you know, Jay is a firm believer that she does not get in the car. And he says I don't think I'd like the song as much if she did um okay. which i think tells a lot about that um yes i am a romantic i grew up on Walt disney movies um and but i i get that and i think that is a great answer because um if it was a slam dunk it would not be a good question um right. you're like of course she gets in the car but then you start thinking go well maybe she's too afraid Maybe she sees, and, you know, I've had people come back and say that um, she, you know, on uh, Racing in the Street, she sits um, on her daddy's porch. Is that the same porch from Thunder Road? Is she now, she did say yes and look where they've ended up?
2: Well, and what if I throw this out there? Yeah. What What about Moonlight Motel?
1: Yes, Talk at to the me.
2: end of, of Western Stars. There's a screen door in there. Okay. And the way I understand, um, Moonlight Motel is actually a really hard song to listen to for me. It's so full of nostalgia. And it's a happy story, but it's, it's, it's where all relationships end up. You know, the way I hear that song is it's as if Mary gets in the car and they go to this motel. And when they get there, they have their romantic time, and you know what? They end up having a couple of kids, and they end up living happily ever after. That's the dream. Right. But then, but then one of you dies first. Yes. And what's left? Yeah. But to go back to the Moonlight Motel and sit in your parking spot and have, have, a, have a shot of Jack Daniels. Yeah, that even in the best case scenario, even if it all works out for you. There's still a certain amount of of pain that's involved, and maybe Mary, who knows if she's able to see that far into the future, but love is a scary thing, even if it works out. It's a scary and painful thing.
1: Yeah, I make the joke um, that, you know, we got we're. We're married 35 years, 33 of the happiest in our lives, uh, right? You know, um, because there are moments where it's not happy at all, um, right? And I think to throw it even further, I think that's why I love Tucson Train so much. Is yeah, in my mind, they've he's really screwed up, and uh, yeah, the relationship, um. And his partner um, is—it's not working out. I always keep it gender neutral for Bella. Um, yeah. And
2: oh, absolutely, that's important.
1: Yeah, and so the narrator—I could just see him making the phone call and saying, "Just come for a weekend. Just, right. just I, I." I just come for the weekend. I'm not going to make you any promises. You're not making any promises. Uh, I just want you to see where I'm staying, and I, I'm i not going to make you promises because I know I've broken your heart before. But give me the weekend, and let's see what happens.
2: Yeah, and, Oh, that's great. Yeah.
1: Right? And so Sorry. that's why he's excited, you know, because that line, I could show her – i can show him a man can change and <laughs> yeah. that that optimism of and you know what it may not work out um, that's right and- it it but the hope that maybe just maybe i've changed enough maybe I've, yeah. earned, I've 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 worked on myself enough to not be in the the negative place i'm at and the the bad behavior and obviously you can go a wide range of really really bad stuff or just maybe selfish you know good provider not doesn't have a drug or drinking problem but just a selfish uncaring person and and i love right. that optimism of they're coming and i this is my chance i'm going to make we got one more chance to make it real um yes. so and i do think as we'll go back full circle, Steve, there is a thread through all his music that he is telling not the same story, but variations of these themes and stories that go back to um, early works to this latest work.
2: Yeah, and and you 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 talk about Tucson Train, right? This is a story in which uh, the main thrust of it the character isn't moving. he runs away to Tucson from California, I think right' it's San Francisco yeah, or yeah. he right and um, and and he's he's there and he finds that you cannot run away from the things that you've done. you cannot outrun the problems that you have caused because you bring you with you Absolutely. right that's the problem. you can't outrun yourself, you know, and there's that great line, you know probably the best line in the whole. And the whole album is, you know, we fought hard over nothing. We fought till nothing remained. And I've carried that nothing for a long time. Right. Bruce has turned nothing into something and not just something, but the heaviest burden of all. The the fact that I have to own up to the things that I've done and I can't run away from it.
1: I would argue, Stephen, that if you're in a relationship, whether a long term committed relationship marriage, civil union, whatever you want, if you and your significant other have not argued about something so dumb and so right. ridiculous <laughs> and you guy then you have you are lying to yourself um, right because I will tell you there are times when we were spitting mad and right um, and forget that whole don't go to bed mad. We went to med mad, you know? <laughs> and, oh, yeah, right. And, you know, and, and I don't sleep well, and she doesn't sleep well. And then we'll go, you know, we'll get together, and we'll leak each other and go, what was that about? You know, right. I don't know. And, and you know, and just right. like, but you just start ramping it. You're ramping it, and all of a sudden, you, it becomes about winning and not trying to find – What's the root cause or what's going on? So yes, uh, I, I agree, yeah, with you. you go. Absolutely amazing lyrics. Yeah, um, final thoughts? Jeez, I
2: don't know. <laughs> what what what's left to say?
1: Um, I, I uh, for someone who isn't sure they'd have anything to say, I think you did pretty well, Stephen.
2: Yeah, well, I hope that I uh, haven't bored everyone to death. I, I you know, I, I, just was just listening to your story that you told with with Liz. You know, that the Dutch Courtney Cox, yes, and, you know, she's meeting Bruce and getting tickets from him and going backstage. I, I don't have any of that. Sorry, Wasn't was that
1: saying. an amazing story?
2: Oh my God! Uh, uh, yeah, I was, I was on hanging on her every word.
1: Um, she was so fun, and uh, you know, and she was just, she was perfect. That's not the end, Jesse. What? That's not the end, Jesse. What? And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad you I, I really impressed with that. And uh, I am glad that um, Elko, who does my boss time, he's the one that pushed us. He pushed her and said, you you need to be on the show. You, you will enjoy it. So absolutely. Right. Um, if someone wants to reach you, are you on social media at all?
2: So, no, I don't have any major social medias. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Instagram. Uh, You can email me, I suppose.
1: Okay.
2: Um, And I have just the world's worst name to have to spell. But um, uh, it's my first name, Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, and my last name, M-A-I-U-L-L-O, that's my Ulo, all one word, at gmail.com. Sorry, but I just, I don't have that, that, that's... Twitter, and I just don't do it, because I'm, I'm not so sure that it's great for us.
1: Um, I will tell you, if I wasn't using this to promote my podcast, um, I don't know if I'd be on it. And I, I say that right. candidly. And I also, if I was a teacher, <laughs> I, I don't know if I would be on it either, because um, what's the upside? Uh, you hear so many people talking about you hear stories about someone makes a joke or says something and all of a sudden it's in front of the administration and you're trying to right. explain um and and i tend to really overthink what i do so luckily um you know i try to be nice but every once in a while I lose my temper about something political, and um, yeah, me too. And and so, I think that's a good safeguard you're putting yourself in. They're like, nope, don't need the added stress. <laughs> I don't need. <laughs> I don't need the administration having another thing they could possibly go. Uh, professor, let's talk for a moment. Exactly. Well, and
2: also I was on, I was on Facebook for a little while, and then I was just reading it and getting mad. Mm-hmm. And this is just not good for my mental health. So
1: yes, uh,
2: all, all they they go yes. away. You know.
1: All right. Anyway. Well, hang tight while I do a little business. Um, if you okay. want to reach me, I can be reached at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Jesse Jackson DFW. I uh, the show is at uh, Um We have a brand new website. I'm so proud. Uh, I've joined the 90s, uh, Um Someone who shall remain nameless suggested that maybe I want to look into adding a Patreon page. And uh, that has just happened. Podcast is always going to be free. I'm pretty proud of the different levels and tiers. There's some fun things you can get if you want to support the show. Check that out. Stephen, this is great. I just had yeah, a blast. I am so glad you spent some time with me, uh, listeners. Let us know what you think. Go to iTunes, rate, review us, give me feedback. And uh, for now, we're going to have tell you to have a good night. And as always, keep hope alive. Thank you. Bye. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking music loving album ranking. Fan-thinking, joy-spreading, lyric-reading, story-sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Settlisting Bruce. Settlisting Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Settlisting Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission.